The VC Show. You already know about the Low Post Podcast with Zach Lowe and the Hoop Collective with Brian Windhorse. But have you listened to the VC Show with eight-time NBA All-Star Vince Carter and co-host Roz Goldenwoode, who talk all things basketball with some of the biggest names in sports entertainment? They will give their unfiltered thoughts on the NBA, and Vince will share stories from his illustrious 22-year career. That's the VC Show. Listen when you're listening to this podcast. You were actually drafted by the Sixers, right? Yeah, yep. Drafted by the Sixers and traded to the Suns. For a moment there, you thought you were going to Philly. What were the emotions like when you thought you were going to Philly? Oh, they were they were like they were crazy. I was about to tear up just because how crazy it was. I'm like, I'm really about to be home. My mom works for Sixers. I'm like, I've been talking about this all year. Like that was the biggest thing all my senior year in college was like, Philly got the tenth pick. They'll be they'll be dumb if they don't get Mikel, hometown kid. They need a three and D guy. Like it was it was set up. Like it was just set up for me to go. Welcome to the CJ McCollum Show. I'm being joined, as always, by Izzy Gutierrez. We have a very special guest who hails from Philly. Um, he goes by the name of Mikhail Bridges. First and foremost, how you doing, Mikhail? I'm good, man. How you doing, CJ? I'm good, man. I appreciate you joining the podcast. Normally, I, I read off all the statistics of the podcast guests, so I'll do that first, and then we'll get into the questions. But uh, NBA All-Defensive First Team in 2022, two-time NCAA champion 2016, 2018, third-team All-American AP, uh, Sports Nation, NABC, all of those things. Big East Co-Defensive Player of the Year, Big East Tournament MVP, Julius Irving Award in 2018, first team All-Big East 2018. Um, you were selected with the 10th overall pick in the 18 draft by the Phoenix Suns, and you played in the 2020 finals. Your nickname is the Warden, according to Google search. <laughs> Can I ask you a question about that, Mikhail? And uh, thanks for, for joining us here. Uh, so two quick things. Um, I've been one to tell people that they um, I've either pronouncing their name wrong or I've spelled their name wrong. So I'm curious, <laughs> growing up with your name, like how what was pronounced and what do you what is the proper pronunciation? Like, did people just uh, try to say Michael all the time? Yeah, no, there's there's a lot. Like, I've heard so many different names. Like, like substitute teachers was like the worst. Like, you know, like I'm Bridges, so it's pronounced Mikel. Like the eyes, like kind of like an A, so it's like Mikel. But um, substitute teacher Bridges is you know, I, if you're in the homeroom and stuff, you know, if you've been there for a while, you know, like you're after this person and stuff. So I see like the teacher like reading names. And I'm probably like the third or fourth person. And like they just stare at the paper and like just keep staring. And sometimes I'm just I just raise my hand. I just be like, Mikhail, like I mean, don't even know you waste your time. I hear like Mikael. Um <laughs> just like Michael, Michael was heavy. Michael was the biggest the whole time, but people used to struggle so bad. It was pronounced Mikhail. I heard so many versions of Israel Gutierrez, I can't even tell you. But um, as the protector of all the things Miami, um, the warden, it was a gentleman by the name of Joel Anthony uh, down here in Miami. He had another nickname. I think it was like frying pan hands. But the warden was Joel Anthony's nickname down here. And I'm just wondering who gave you that? And did anybody say, hey, hey, that guy down in Miami who played a few years back might already have that nickname? It really came from the, the Suns fan base. Um I think it's just because of my defense and they always be like Mikhail jail. I think it was kind of big during like right before the bubble and going into the bubble. So they were, they was heavy on the, the Mikhail jail and 
all these memes and stuff. So they just said they just call me the warden. Obviously, like I was just like, like if I had to pick a nickname, I think I would have called myself the warden. But you know, I let the fans pick that. And it's just if they like it, it's cool. It's just it's hilarious though. I, I, it's all right though. Right. On behalf of Joel Anthony, we'll allow it. So. Yeah, I guess <laughs> a few years late. West Coast, West Coast. I, was I left out one very important statistic that's been controversial throughout the NBA uh, for quite some time now. You have the record for active players uh, for most consecutive games played and having not missed a game in your entire career, probably dating back to high school, I imagine. You probably haven't missed a game. Yeah, yeah, to junior high school. And you're on pace to play 83 games this year, which ironically would be the amount of games uh, <laughs> two teams have to play next year if if they uh, win the in-season tournament uh, championship. Yeah. So I think my first question is, how have you been able to play every game um, throughout your career? Uh, is it is it the rehab process that you go through? Is it the sleep? Is it the water? Is it not practicing as much? Like what what's the what's the the key to your success? Man, I don't know. I think I just. I don't know. I think I've just been blessed just with no crazy injuries. That's like to start it off. Um, but other than that, I think just recovery, just take care of my body. Um, I think I'm big on that. Just like even like, like today, like an off day, I could easily just, you know, sit around and just chill. But like just going in and get like hour and a half treatment or something is just like, you know, it's our job. Like why not go get treatment and help yourself and be better for yourself? So that plays a big part. And then just how my body is, it's just, it recovers faster than normal um, or just, you know, everybody's body's a little different. Like I could roll the hell out my ankle and be like swole up a little bit. And then like the next day, like if I ice it all night, like it'll just go down fast. And most people, you know, most people, no matter what they do, like even they ice it, they wake up next morning and it, it might've got even fatter. So right, it's my body's just, it's just weird. And I guess it's just kind of, gets through injuries faster than normal. You say it casually, but it sounds like you're a superhero. Uh, when you say <laughs> that, uh, what's the worst injury that you've had that you've just kind of like shrugged off and played through? Um, I think the toughest one, I didn't even tell, I didn't even tell Sam or anybody about it, CJ. I mean, until later. But it was my rookie year and I grade two sprained my right elbow. So my shooting arm and Literally, I couldn't, like, if the rim was right in front of me, like, I couldn't do this. Like, I couldn't do none of this because it's just all right here. It's on my shooting arm. So I remember do your shooting motion for those of yeah, the podcast. Yeah, like, like, and the rim is right here. Like, it's not like I'm hmm. shooting threes or free throws. Like, I'm right here, like, right under the rim. I'm like, bro, I can't, I can barely get the ball right here. So I went back. It was in Sacramento, actually, at the time. I remember I went back in the, um, in a training office, and I was like, listen, like, I need to get taped up. So he taped me up from, like, my forearm to all the way, all the way up here. And it was like a robe arm. Like, I could barely bend my arm. So I just put an arm sleeve over it. And I was just <laughs> playing in a game with it. I was like, listen. And at that time, Book was shooting 40 shots, and we were losing. So, like, me, I, I had a lot of games where I barely – I shot the ball maybe, like, three times. But, like, actually, that game, I actually shot the ball, like, a good amount. I think adrenaline just kind of was – I was just playing. I just kind of try to forget about it. So nobody I noticed just, it. I was, like, yeah, I was really out there for defense. I was out there for defense. And just if I got some looks, I just pray that I, it's just the ball will go in. <laughs> Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive 
eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. I don't recommend people playing through those types of injuries, um, but <laughs> the competitive spirit always kicks in. I've had some games where I've played and uh, or either delayed surgery or just played and wasn't able to to shoot threes. I wasn't able to do certain stuff, but the, the guy guarding you doesn't really know until you start turning down shots and they looking like, why isn't he shooting this? It's like, I really just can't. Like, then they start giving you the Caitlin Clark. It's like, ah, oh, he's not shooting. Yeah, it's just, it's just pretty funny. We we discussed you being drafted to the Phoenix Suns. I'd be remiss if I didn't, you know, talk about your time in Phoenix. Obviously, you you developed, you got known for obviously playing defense at a high level. You, you continue to uh, hone in on your offensive game, starting with the midi, then the corner threes, then adding the pick and roll, adding the one dribble, two dribble pull up. Um, what type of impact did Monty and the Phoenix Suns have on your you know, career development while you were there? And what's one of the things you missed most about uh, playing with the Phoenix Suns before we get into Brooklyn? Yeah, um, yeah, man, Monty and all the coaching staff, they just, they're, they're big time. They helped me where I'm at right now. And I mean, CJ, you know, just, just a little progression, like you just said, like to the corner threes and then to just get into the mid-range, just like little parts I keep adding. And that's basically just off my coaches is giving me confidence. You know, like obviously I've seen Book who shoot a lot of middies. So you think like a guy like me who do corner threes, you know, the world isn't satisfied with mid-range shots. You know what I'm saying? And uh, for my, just for my to give me the confidence to go out there and just get to that spot. And once you know that I started making them a little bit, they were just, he was just letting me be free. It's just like he wanted me to be aggressive and wanted me to get to things I like. So it started with getting to the mid-range. And then after that, it's just continue to grow. And, you know, we got to the playoffs. And you know how people guard, see, and book. So it was just like we need another score. We need another person that can handle it. So that was like my biggest thing going to the offseason each year. Just get prepared for that. Um, and really this year, you know, obviously I got traded and stuff. We didn't get to that, but like I didn't think I was going to get traded. So all my stuff I was working on was getting ready for the playoffs. So when Book and C do get trapped, like I'll be that next option and it'll just make us tougher to guard. Um, so just just a lot of work. They they helped me so much and gave me so much confidence. And um the biggest thing I'm the biggest thing I miss about Phoenix is just just my teammates and being out there 
on a court and knowing what everybody's going to be at and what they're going to do. Like, you know, you got synergy and you're so close to everybody. You've been playing so many years with people. Like, like you know what they're going to do. Like, I know if I drive and if T. Craig or Josh and Kobe's in that corner, I know what they're going to do. Like, if, if I drive and Book's right there or even defensively too, like, we step up for each other just strictly off synergy and being together. So that's the thing I miss the most about being with them on a court is just the synergy and, like, it's just second nature. Like, you know when a guy is going to step up and you're going to help him rotate, like DA. Like, I know if I come off a ball screen and a big switches on me, I don't have to think. I just know that he's probably already sealing his man at the rim. And he's tr- he knows I'm going to throw it. So I'll just, like, turn around and just chuck the ball up in the air. And he's going to go get it and lay the ball up. You guys were the uh, the MIDI committee out in, in Phoenix. <laughs> um, and for those who don't really have the time in their lives to read an entire Zach Lowe uh, column he wrote uh, 10 things that he likes and Mikhail Bridges's game is one of those um and he sort of breaks it down a little bit with a little bit of detail there you probably haven't even seen that yet have you because that was this morning that I think that it came out I watched you drop 45 on the heat and I think Max Drew still has nightmares about you um what when you talk about going from that second you know creator to that sort of primary guy in your role now uh, at times with the Nets um you and Spencer I guess how easy of a transition was that? And when you like started doing it, like was the month of March was 28.8 points. Like when you're doing this on a regular basis, do you even sort of reassess what you can do, what you can be as an NBA player for the rest of your career? Yeah. Um, so for your first question, like what I always tell people is that I got traded at the right time. Um, literally everybody out in Phoenix with, C was out for a while. Book was out. Cam Johnson, campaign. We didn't have Jay Crowder. So, like, we had a lot of people out. And it was just, like, I had to be that. I had to step up, you know? And that was the biggest thing with my coaches and everybody. Like, I had to be that guy and step up. And in the beginning, it was tough. I had a lot of tough games. Then, like, being, like, number one option. Also, trying to do everything with defense as well. Like, I start to realize why, like, the top guys, like, when they used to guard me and I would be in that, you know, I got all the energy in the world from – because I'm just sitting in the corner offense and I see why I get my cuts and stuff because it's tough. Like, I'm being in that situation now, guarding top guy or guarding off ball, like, you sometimes get that little breather. And then the other guys that's been sitting in the corner has been sitting there the whole game and they just ready to cut and I've been back cut a lot of t- like multiple times and it's been pissing me off low key. Um, but I've been, that was a big struggle in the beginning, just doing it the whole game on both ends. And then as time went on, I got better, got a little bit more efficient, um, was winning some games, you know, being that guy. Um, so that it, 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 it helped me a lot to now I'm in this situation in Brooklyn where like, okay, I just had a month having everything on my plate like you know what i'm saying like i just had a whole month doing that so like now like we got more pieces and we got a really we got a pretty good team so now it's just like okay now i could do this but now i got maybe like better spacing or like you know got a lot of guys out there so um phoenix definitely like that time i had in phoenix where everybody was out definitely built me for this moment and being out there scoring now i just I tell people this all the time, like, I'm not, I think now, like, I'm not trying to just 
get 30, like I'm trying to really win. And I feel like the biggest chance of us winning is if I'm making shots, you know what I'm saying? Like if as you go to numbers, like if I miss every shot I take, there's a high chance of us losing the game. So it's like every time I shoot, I'm shooting obviously the score, but like I'm looking at the scoreboard, like, like we got to win this damn game. So if it's like, if we're down, like to bring us back or if we're up, to like push the lead or like bat, like throughout the whole game, I'm just trying to win the game. So then as you look up and like, I take pride in my work and I take pride in being efficient. So like, if you look up, like, shoot, I might have 20 something. And it's like the third It's just because like, I'm trying to make every shot I take and I try to, I usually take shots that I work on and I'm <laughs> confident in it. So I just, I just work on my game and then I look up, I might have 30 and we win or something like that. So I just, it's different for me. I didn't grow up, growing, I've, I've not been a 30 point guy that just score a lot. Like I've always been a guy that's just like around 25, 26, 24. Like I just could never break 30. And now it's like, I feel like if I don't get 30 or something, it's like, I'm like letting us down or something. <laughs> That's a good feeling to have. And I think you talked about the development. You talked about timing. I tell people all the time and players that things happen for a reason. You just got to be ready when they do. And you were ready. You had got an opportunity to obviously play extended minutes. We played you guys as a whole and we played you guys with some guys out. And obviously you've been able to transform your game and become more aggressive. You talked about the efficiency. You talked about the midi um, having to have more primary, primary ball handling responsibilities, more pick and roll uh, more sets in front of the defense as opposed to behind the defense, which gives you different looks. But then I think the touches matters. And I think people don't understand when you touch the ball throughout the entire game, your rhythm becomes better. When people kind of expect you to score, when you get the license to shoot bad shots, that's when you see your efficiency generally go up sometimes because of the confidence. And I think you've done that in Phoenix with your expanded role. I mean, you averaged 17 on this season, the entire season. But if you look at your body of work when guys are out, you were at you know probably that 22 to 25 range that you talked about uh, when guys were hurt. Now in Brooklyn, 23 games into um, the trade, 35 minutes a night, 27 points per game, basically 50, 40, 90. You're at like 49 and some change, 41 and 90 on high volume. That kind of shows the growth. Is this what you thought it would be like in Brooklyn? And and secondly, Sam wanted me to call you Brooklyn Bridges. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, to be, be honest with you, I don't think like this, um, I pro I bet you if you ask like people on our staff in uh on Phoenix when I left, they probably like who I work with like uh like Jared Jack and all my assistant coaches and Corey Benson, like people I work with, I bet you like they're supposed to say they're supposed to be like, Oh yeah, I saw this coming easily. Like, you know, we work with them all the time, like I see it. Um, but I didn't think all this, honestly, like obviously I thought I was going I, I obviously like be scoring 20 a game and more just all that, but just what I'm on right now and how I'm playing, like I it's definitely something I sometimes just look back and just be like, all right, like, like, you know, be appreciative of this and like, you know, don't take it for granted. So I definitely didn't see all this coming for sure. There was um there was a clip of somebody asking you who your favorite player was. This was after the trade, and you kind of come to that realization it was just like, man. It was Kevin Durant. And I, I might have I might have uh, sent you, a, if you probably check your Twitter messages, people you might know, I might have sent you a message saying, I, I was like, man, I thought I thought just that clip alone, just there's sort of like uh, so much authenticity there. 
And it just feels like you're always yourself, regardless of the situation. And, you know, when you throw all this in the the growth, right, of, of your of and just recognizing what's there for you, potentially, like, it's almost feel like a, a really cool feeling. But I'm just wondering, like, that part of it, like just coming to the realization of just how weird a world that this is that you got traded for your favorite player, uh, I guess, growing up, if you will. Um, have you been able to like think about that even more sort of wrap your mind around that and just be like kind of wow the world's kind of a crazy place <laughs> yeah no for sure like that's I think and that's why it's so just like obviously you're gonna feel some way getting traded that's just always how it is no matter who it's for but like you start to realize like okay who you get traded for like like shit, I got traded for KD so like I understand, like, even, like, I'll be real, like, the new owner came in in that situation, like, I understand why that happens, like, do I personally think Phoenix would have been okay with me and Cam still there? 100%. But to get a guy like KD, who is one of the best scorers ever, like, how can you not do that? And it's not like he's 38 or 39, like, he's still Kevin Durant getting 30 a game on 50, 40, 90. And it's insane to watch and insane to see. And um it's just it's just wild, like just to look back on it and just I think when years go on and when I'm done playing, it's gonna be something that's just like, you know, if I have kids one day talk about like, yeah, like I really got traded for one of my favorite players ever, like when I was twenty six years old, like it's, it was crazy. But um no, nah, it's 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 wild. Um and it's just so funny because being in Brooklyn and Katie being here. And me scoring at a high clip and everybody's just like, oh, like, we didn't lose KD, this and that. And I'm just like, pump your brakes. I'm yeah. like, calm the hell down. I appreciate the love, but there's like on one me. goddamn KD in this world. I'll tell you that. It's, it's that seven-foot over there. <laughs> you, you guys are currently six in the Eastern Conference. You're, call it three and a half games out of fifth on the Nets. Two games up. Two. Two games up on Miami, uh, two games up in the lost column as well. As you get closer and closer to the season ending, has it set in that set in yet that you're going to be playing in the playoffs in the Eastern Conference? Flights are going to be a lot easier um, in the playoffs. You won't have to fly from Phoenix to New Orleans. You'll be going oh, from gosh. one eight two seven three six. You'll be you'll be a train ride away from Philly if it ended right now. <laughs> 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 or you could probably drive. You could probably drive home in between games if you wanted to. <laughs> nah, yeah, no, nah, it's it's definitely kicking in. I think I'm so locked in right now and just not trying to be in that plan. You know what I'm saying? Like nobody wants to be in that plan. You want to get that solidified spot. And um, yeah, it's definitely kicking in. I think the biggest thing is just thinking about like getting to the playoffs and this. I know how the schemes are. Like I. I just the thing is I just played against you and I know what the scout was like on you and BI. Like, what I just, was the scout? There's <laughs> no, yeah, a lot of tension. There's a lot of tension. So that's like a thing I think in back in my head where like, but I was the deepest guy. So like, I know how I prepared to guard the best guy every night, especially in the playoffs. So that's something in my back head, just knowing like scouts are going to be just a little bit more, super detailed and the things that I probably like to get to, they're going to be, it's going to be a heavy emphasis on. And so just being prepared to, you know, play my game, but also know that there's going to be a little bit more 
tighter of a like of a scout on me. So that's what I think about. But yes, the everything's around the corner. Like you said, Philly right there, Boston right there, Milwaukee's still right there. Like just easy flights, easy flights, easy drive. Yeah, that that damn is there still much of a difference of feel of, of type of game between the Western and Eastern Conference since you've been in both this season? I mean, yeah, you you, you see when CP sent me a helmet for, for my yeah, that's right. piece. Yeah, it's a little little more downhill out here in the East. And that's just that's just that's just been known if you've been in the league and you know, West Coast where it's so like go to state, like go five out, you know, you go you, you go small, but the east where they remember they had a lineup when it was Jared Allen and and uh Mobley and then marketing at the three. Like you had three seven footers out there. And in the West it was it's like your your five is gonna be freaking six foot eight at times, you know what I'm saying? So um it's definitely different. Um but I mean I like it. I think they the defensive scheme is a little bit different over here and Offensively, I kind of like it as well, just how they play, because sometimes they like the red and have bigs up on a guard. And I'm just like, all right, like, that's kind of, that's, that's, I like that. They have a big guy guarding me and up top is, is fine. So uh, their scheme is a little different in it. And it, and I think I, I like it a little bit more than the West for sure. Because you're a Philly guy, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, um? I'm sorry, go ahead, CJ. No, I was just going to take it back to draft night. You were actually drafted by the Sixers, right? Yeah, yeah. Drafted by the Sixers and traded to the Suns. For a moment there, you thought you were going to Philly. What were the emotions like when you thought you were going to Philly? Oh, they were they were like they were crazy. I was about to tear up just because how crazy it was. I'm like, I'm really about to be home. My mom works for the Sixers. I'm like, I've been talking about this all year. Like that was the biggest thing all my senior year of college was like Philly got the tenth pick. They'll be they'll be dumb if they don't get Mikel, hometown kid. They need a three and D guy. Like it was, it was set up. Like it was just set up for me to go home. And like the emotions was, was, was nuts. Um, I remember being in, uh, in the media room and I have my Sixers hat on and I'm sitting down and everybody in the Philly media is sitting down. And I kid you not, like I know every person there, like since high school and college, like I'm sitting there and people raising their hand and I'm like pointing at them, like big, big geek, big smiles. Like, my guy, like, what up? Good to see you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I walk out of there and they told me the news. And I was literally pissed off. Like, actually pissed off. And it took me days after to like be appreciative of the moment. But like, listen, Kel, like, like, like fuck all that. Like, you went top 10. Like, you're you got drafted. Like, I know it's you're in a moment, it's human nature to like be upset about about not going to a place you wanted to go. And it took me days to realize that, but I was pissed off that night. I didn't go out. I stayed in my hotel room. I was, I was, I was literally, I was, I was that mad. And for what? Like, what am I pissed, pissed off about? Like I went top 10 in a freaking dream. So that took me days to, to like really get over that. But uh, it was wild. It was, it was really wild. Do you have any, um, and I asked this of, uh, I think it was, I forget who it was. Maybe it was Grant Williams. But any closer connection to college basketball since you had so much success uh, when you were there? Like, do you still dig in and, and pay that much close attention to college basketball? No, 
know, like you heard my boy Darren Fox said, like, I can't, like, I really just can't. Like the tournament's cool because it's like, it's a tournament. It's just, it's, it's the whole idea. So no matter how good the players are, whatever, the tournament's always going to be fun. But like regular season, oh my God, is I can't watch it. Like I really can't. Like UConn, like UConn is in the championship and I was just at the Villanova-UConn game at home. And I, I went to the game at Wells Fargo and like, he's like, I like the kid Hawkins. I like the kid Hawkins. He's nice. But like, the game was stinky. Like, I'm sitting there like, this game is ass. Like, I'm literally sitting there like, what? And now you guys are championship. I'm just like, okay, like, I know these years, I'm not going to say my years, but any year in college, like, you know, if you see a team that's going about to win a national championship, like, you go to that game, you're watching, like, oh, these motherfuckers are nice. No, not one time I sat there was like, yo, these, this team is cold. Like, hell no. Like, that shit is ass. Like, that is, I don't know. I'm kind of glad I didn't watch Jordan Hawkins too much early in the season because watching him now, he looks legit. But I'm with you. Like, I watch college basketball, especially during the regular season. It's just like, man. And it's almost like in the tournament, you can tell the teams that have just sort of turned it up a little bit and they just look a little bit better. But it's different than when, like, when, I mean, I wasn't in school, but like 2006 and seven, like I watched that Gators team at the first two rounds and I was like, man, they're they're the best team here. And they got at least two pros on that team. I don't yeah. see that as much anymore. Maybe, I mean, UConn with Sonogo and Hawkins, but it takes a while, it feels like. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know what's going on. Like, as you see, there's no no one sees that made it to, I don't know what it was, freaking lead eight, final four, whatever. That's right. just, that's not happening. Like, you, that's not happening other years because those teams are nice and dominant, but Hey, it's a good, it's great. It's great for college. You know, this balance where these there's no one seeds and all these other teams are making it. So it's, it's great for college basketball, I guess, but now nah, speaking I, of balance for the women's side, then you guys see the, uh, the angel Reese celebration. That, what do you that, guys think about that? That tournament is, is better than the men's for sure. The women's agreed. agreed. Like so. I'm out like that's yeah, for sure. Like, I'm sick. I missed LSU Iowa game. I had a game. I'm sick that I missed it. Like I watched I the entire game. You watched the entire game. I watched Sue and Diana's show, and I was going back and forth because they're hilarious. And, you know, they got oh they, <laughs> they got their little drinks. So they got their little drinks, and uh, they they get interviewing guys. CP came on right before y'all uh, y'all game, right before the Suns and um, OKC game. He came on and and they was asking him about Katie getting hurt in warm ups like they just <laughs> they just wild and like funny and they breaking down the game but to, just to see the pace like the pace of Iowa and LSU the intensity they play with like it was just a fun game to watch and obviously Caitlin is just shooting from deep out you know Reese is playing with that flair that swag that confidence they got a bunch of girls that can go they got a girl coming off the bench goes five for five in the first half and she ain't scored in two games. Like it's just <laughs> a, a really cool night. And then you got, you know, LSU coach just swagged out on the sideline. She dressed her. like a Mardi Gras with the, with the country accent. So it was just, it was just really cool to see the competitive nature, but also like to see the world support women's basketball. Like so many people watch that game, the price of tickets, you know, was through the roof game sold out. And it's just like, what we need in society is to support, you know, women's sports as well and to be able to see um, so many athletes competing at a high level and, and, and really showing that flair and that swagger that you want to see in sports. I think it was really cool to see. 
So then I know this is until Thursday that this comes out, but then so people will be talking about it since then. But let's let's discuss that from your guys' perspective. Cause like I feel like, you know, double standard in terms of how we talk about the men's game versus the women's game. But when like all right, so in the men's game or in the NBA, we see people most like most recently Russell Westbrook get guarded, you know, 10 feet off by by Draymond Green. When Caitlin Clark does that to a South Carolina plater, but adds the wave off that eh, don't worry about her. Is that too much? Is that okay? Like what do you guys think about that too much too much what too much <laughs> I, don't know. I think it's perfect she, i would have added a hell no <laughs> <laughs> exactly. so so then when angel then reese sort of sits on that for a while and just like after the national championship came comes back and gives her that was that like you think warranted or was that just like you know again too much no for too much for what too much, too much for what? There's. I'm asking because that seems to be the conversation, right? Like after you win a championship, to go back and give her that, and I'm just, just like, well, even if, even if that's not like your genuine feeling, like, oh, I, I'm this jerk and I'm just gonna go talk smack. Like, I think it helps. Like, I think it helps just create a conversation. Like, you know, why not? Like, go. It, she, she's she's been a superstar, and Caitlin Clark's been dominating the headlines. Uh, but Reese is out there too. So, you know, go ahead and give me some love, even if I have to, you know, give her back what she gave to somebody else. For sure. That's just that competitive nature they got. Like, you know, it ain't no hate between that. They just, they're fired up and, you know, they both talk smack. You know, it's Caitlin's doing it, you know, in Louisville and all that. Like, she she talked, she, and that's what it is. Like, that competitive spirit, like, you're going to talk, you're going to talk trash about games and that's just going to boost you and all that stuff. And, and that's what she did, and she was fired up. They won, you know, like I'm saying. Like, think about it as, like, those girls, like, Taylor Clark is everywhere. Like, she's been going ballistic. So, like, you know, the world's talking about her, and they're young, so they know they're seeing it, and they're like, okay. They, okay, they want this girl to win it. They want it all. Like, watch what we do. So they win it, and then, they, yeah, like, they're talking their cash. I love every second of it. If yeah. somebody beats Steph Curry, CJ, you're going to give him one of these in the finals or in the, or in the conference finals, aren't you? <laughs> nah, because you got to win a championship first. So I think right. it's different. <laughs> you do that and then lose to, lose to the Celtics. And it is like all for now, you know what I'm saying? So I think people that have never won telling a, a woman how to win is just crazy. Like, you never won. How are you going to tell her how to celebrate, right? You don't know what she's been through. You don't know what trials and tribulations right. she's gone through, the injuries, the setbacks the self-doubt transfer and everything that went into her getting to that moment. So you can't tell her how to enjoy it. And I think when you win, you have a right, you have a right to celebrate however you see fit. You have a right to do whatever you want within reason. Um, once you win, now if you lose, then it is what it is. Like you, you move on. And I think Caitlin Clark didn't really comment on it because she knows that she plays with a, a, a certain type of flair to where you got to be willing to take, you know, what comes with that, like what comes mm -hmm. with greatness, right? Like, the way she celebrates and everything like that, people talked about it and they celebrated her. They celebrated her low-key taunting people and all that stuff. And to have it happen back, I think she just thought to herself, like, I can't wait to see these girls again. Probably was she's thinking, like, wait till, wait till next season when we run it back. Like, a little bit more help. And I think that's the mentality you got to have where when you lose, you got to lose with with a sense of pride and a sense of self, but also understand that like you got to respect your opponent. And when you win, you should respect your opponent too. But I always think that when you win, depending on the age, I mean, it's, it's going to be a little bit more extra because especially if you ain't never done it before, like I think if she wins another one next year, like it won't be as, it'll just be like, yo, that's too, like it won't be as much. But that first one, like it just hits different, man. Like you ain't never had it before. It really hits different. 
for sure. Um, is there anything you guys are talking about from the players' perspective that uh, with the new CBA agreement that sort of is cool? Anything that stands out? I was I was asking questions about it yesterday, CJ. Like, I know you're more locked in than me on it. I was trying to figure it out. Is it is that like with the um, like the supermax thing or something like that? What you want to know, man? Let's yeah. let's <laughs> let's, let's well, hammer I see it out. Cleveland, I see Cleveland's getting upset because I guess like Mobley is up. Oh, Cle Cleveland should be happy. Oh, oh, so okay. I think I got, I got it backwards. So Cleveland is happy that they can sign Mobley. To yeah, it, it used to be two designated, and this isn't. Before I comment on all these things, I just want to go on the record saying two things, right? Because I've been declining interviews and everything, and. I don't want to speak about it until we've actually received a term sheet. So we, we negotiated a deal in principle. Right. And it's just kind of like when you know you're going to get an extension. Right. Like you, you mm -hmm. negotiate it in principle and good faith. You sign that we have an agreement, but the term sheet has not <laughs> has not been received yet, uh, which means we haven't finalized the entire agreement yet. So everything that's getting leaked is more he say, she say partial facts, yeah. if you will. Um, everything still has to be formalized and presented to the players. It has to be formalized and presented to the governors for approval. So preface everything I'm saying with that. There have been a lot of leaks in the media and stuff like that. And I can confirm some things and I can deny others. But I think <laughs> <laughs> the moral of the story is I'll answer your, your question first in regards to the designated players. So historically, and this is me paraphrasing a lot, um, you could have two designated max players that you draft, right? Or, or acquire, right? So think the Sixers had Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, right? Mm -hmm. um, in Portland, Dame was the max. And then I got like what was considered close to a max. In Cleveland, Donovan Mitchell was a max player. Darius Garland signed a max. So technically, if the CBA wasn't amended, they wouldn't be able to sign Mobley to a, you know, a max extension or whatever the case may mm -hmm. be. And based on... What we're doing now, let me make sure I'm saying this right, <laughs> <laughs> twofold. Uh, there's two things that we're looking to add. Players extending their rookie scale contracts will be able to negotiate for a longer deal, five years, which is you know going to be very important. Teams can now do extended trade transactions that are richer and longer. Veterans can now receive a first-year salary in the extension with a 40% raise, twice as much as the 20% max contained in the current CBA. And there's been some significant revamps in the extension rules, such as rookies, veterans, stars, and trade players will have more flexibility if they're content to stay with their own team. So we're basically trying to reshape a lot of ways in which um, player empowerment is viewed upon, but also how player movement occurs. And we we'll want to yeah. give teams more flexibility because when you draft well, you should be rewarded for drafting well, and you shouldn't be punished for it. I think oftentimes a lot of teams have been punished for making the right decisions in the draft where it's hard to build from within. And I think, there's a lot of misconception that we're like targeting teams that are spinning, not targeting teams that aren't spinning. And um, I think systematically, a lot of that stuff just isn't true. Um, we've added several disincentives for teams who live below the salary cap. So teams will not be able to stay under the minimum salary cap, i.e. Oklahoma City, where they had to pay out players. So yeah. we're looking at ways to to collectively empower our game while creating a more stable, competitive Balance, if you will. And I think that's what the NBA 
historically has talked about is competitive balance. Like they want the seasons to look like it looks right now, right? Where you got all these teams competing for a few spots. Every game matters. Everybody's playing in every game, i.e. Mikel Bridges, right? And we want to make sure that teams that do have a chance or a window, i.e. Yeah. Boston Celtics, uh, where they have a chance to maybe spend more money, make a, make a championship caliber run, I want them to be able to and not get taxed as much. So we've yeah. we've reduced the tax dollar for dollar. We've, 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 we've done it in ways in which if you want to go into the cap and spend, you can and you won't be penalized as much for it. So I think looking at what's going to come out in, in days or weeks to come, um, we did the best that we could. Uh, this yeah. is something that we negotiated for an extremely long time. And um, one of the things Tamika has, has always talked about is – is growing the pie, right? Like she's really, really big on figuring out ways to grow the pie, add a player's piece to the pie, right? And then create a path toward owning a piece of the pie. And I think we've done all of those things that we've targeted and you'll see leaks of ways in which we have a more vibrant free agency, ways in which um, um, we have benefit packages, more jobs, maximize our group licensing rights. We've added more money to the pot. We've given uh, players uh, a chance to potentially partake in equity through private equity funds. Like we're doing stuff that's never been done before in the history of collective bargaining in all sports. Right. So yeah. for people to frown upon that without getting all the information is, is, is baffling. At least get all the information first and then <laughs> frown upon it or make your own opinions and judgments, which is completely fine. But I mean, we're bringing in an extra $160 million in the BRI, right? So that's $80 million towards player shares. We're doing a lot of stuff that honestly hasn't been done before. And we're we're making it so that players can invest alongside owners or governors or whatever you want to call them. Um, it's a different version of player empowerment. It's it's setting yourself up, right, as opposed to just setting up which team you play for. We we talk about the importance of creating generational wealth. We talk about the importance of having business opportunities, economic opportunities, um, making sure our players are well equipped, well knowledge to to invest properly, to educate themselves and their families. And we're doing those things while creating more player movement and freedom. It's like, well, I don't know what else you'd expect to get in a negotiation, which they're fighting for certain things that they want to have to make the game better. We're fighting for certain things we want to have to make the game better. And ultimately, there's a happy medium that you have to find. But I'll say all this to say that I'm the face of the players and the liaison, if you will, and the guy who's trying to make the game better for 450 people who have 450 different opinions, 450 different agendas. I play for the New Orleans Pelicans, right? I got guys uh, on the executive committee who play for the Boston Celtics. Their team's in an entirely different situation than ours. And then you got owners and governors whose teams are entirely different situations and they have their own agendas. So this is a, yes. a tough job for anyone. And it's not like the CBA is, is made exactly how I want it to be made. It's like, this is exactly what CBA wanted <laughs> and they just do exactly what I say. And then it's over. It's like, it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. It's, it's, it's a negotiation where there's a happy medium you try to find, but ultimately um both both parties enjoy um the negotiation aspect of it but more so than that we enjoy when it's over hmm. and we're getting close to that point 10 seconds on the clock how many things can you name that are always growing your relationships your skills your customer base how about businesses on shopify <laughs> shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. 
Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Um, last thing I wanted to ask you Appreciate you, Siege. Appreciate you, man. No problem Sorry, at all. I don't know how he does that. Like, spends all that time doing that and still, you know, scouts the Clippers. It's crazy. Uh, <laughs> the um that hall of fame class uh Dwayne Wade Dirk Pop Pow like uh I know I don't normally talk hall of fame it's just a bunch of people telling their memories about stuff but like this this seems like the loaded like absolutely loaded class I don't know if any of it sort of resonates with you guys in particular but you know me watching Dwayne Wade who I've covered since he was a rookie it's just kind of not only makes me feel old but kind of one of those like this is a different hall of fame class than any other ones but anything about it stand out to you guys he is D Wade. Um, my brother's my brother's favorite player growing up was Carmelo Anthony and D Wade. So like, they called him D Wade with braids when he was in high school. <laughs> he went number three. He dunked a lot. He was a slashing guard. So like to see, you know, a guy who you know has influenced me in terms of getting into the wine business and helping me, and and obviously shining shining with uh, Li Ning to see his dream come true and to see. The work that he put in, right? Going to Marquette, being a prop 48 at Marquette where he has to sit out a year to kind of work on his education, his grades to um going to the South Beach and, and leading him to a title is just insane. And they win multiple titles and what he's been able to do in the business world and in terms of gaining ownership and stuff like that, it's just really cool to see. And then obviously pop and um the rest of the guys, it's been really cool. Um, uh, I think Tony Parker's going in. Mm-hmm. I played against TP and I I guarded TP in the playoffs, which wasn't fun. They ended up winning the finals that year. Um, but just to see his development and his impact on the game um, has been really fun for me. In my development from 2013 draft to 2023, like seeing how the game has changed and how um, European players have impacted it is just really cool. Yeah, they're all legends. They're all legends to me. I've been watching them since I was kid. Well, since I was a kid, so that's just that's just dope for them and. You know, I know their families and stuff is happy, but I mean, they legends, man. Like watching D Wade, and then when Brian got there, like that whole show over there was ridiculous. And like Dirk, just nobody be able to guard Dirk. It's it's, it's just wild. It's just this is how he works mid post, and once he gets that three going, like you really have no chance because if you if you're if you guard him and you're too close, like. He got that little one step on you like you're dead in the water because he's seven feet and he's big and he's just going to finish around you or even hit like a tough fade over you. So that's just dope for them. It's crazy going back and watching some of the clips about how people talk about Dirk, like Kobe, all these guys. They have such an admiration and it just sounded just like that. It's like, I don't know how, but it's amazing how he does it. Can't block that. That's all the way up here, man. Fade, yeah. you can't get to that. Nobody, you don't see nobody. You don't see nobody in front of him. Like Caitlin Clark. 
Uh, I'm good here, CJ. I don't know about you. No, I'm I'm good, man. I was just reading through my CBA notes and I was like, you know what? I probably shouldn't say these things until it becomes public. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't reject your own request for an interview on your own show, can you? You want me to listen to things for you, man, on the way out? I mean, yeah, you know. Okay. And then you can call um, call audience on Wednesday night and be like, don't put that in if it's a big deal. <laughs> okay. Um, in regards to the salary cap, uh, teams will be forced to spend into the market, increasing options and leverage for free agents. For teams who spin up to the salary cap, we offer more opportunities with the richer and longer room exception. For teams over the salary cap, we increased our mid-level exception. We also added a new exception for second-round picks, which not only will help those players, but will also preserve the full mid-level amount for veteran players. We made it easier for these teams to make trades, expanding the trade exception, and for the first time allowing teams to make trades into the exceptions. This allows players to get to teams that will re-sign them using the bird and early bird exceptions, both of which remain untouched in this agreement. That's for teams that don't hit the salary cap? It says for teams over the salary cap. Over. Uh-huh. Hmm. Allegedly. Hmm. Obviously, we have to we have to finalize the terms. This is me reading this verbatim because the term sheet hasn't been sent in yet. Oh, here we go. In addition, for the first time since they were put in place in 2011, the tax brackets will grow annually at the same at the same rate as our revenue increases. Uh, up from the current $5 million amount. This will lighten the burden on the tax spending teams at the low end of the luxury tax. <clears throat> Basically, for the first time ever, um, it'll grow with the cap, which it hasn't hmm. done before, which will be nice. Like To be able to see things grow with the actual money, I think is important for our game and will make things better but there's some stuff in it that people may or may not like which is normal and you can't please everybody in this world it's impossible well this just reminded me that i've got 12 days to do my taxes and i have not done so yet gotcha perfect well mikhail i appreciate you coming on the pod brother i know you got to get treatment i got to go to practice uh we're still in the playing game so we got some work <laughs> to do uh, we don't have the luxury of uh uh, being able to not look at the standings like these these games that used to not matter actually matter now um for a lot of teams <laughs> and you know, now you like when the blazers beat minnesota and they're a 19 and a half point underdog you're like wow that was a really good win <laughs> <laughs> and so that's that's where we're at with society but i appreciate you coming on let me know how many restaurants you've hit up on that uh list i sent you over to in new york bro bro to- bro i've been i've been when the season's over, I got you. I really been just lacking and been inside and been happy. That's what you're supposed to do. No, you just you keep you keep getting twenty seven a night on fifty forty ninety. You don't have to go out to eat at all. <laughs> Bro, I appreciate you, fam. Yes, sir. Have a good one, brother. All right, you too. Thanks. Bro. All right, y'all.